Thanks for joining us on the American Masters podcast, where we pull never-before-heard interviews off the shelf and onto the airwaves. I'm your host, Michael Cantor, executive producer of the long-running PBS documentary series, American Masters. In this episode, we hear from two extraordinary athletes, Chris Everett and Venus Williams, as they discuss the impact of Billie Jean King on the sport of tennis. King is a former number one in the world Hall of Fame player with 39 Grand Slam titles to her name. A champion both on and off the court, King has been a longtime advocate for gender equality in sports and was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009. She famously beat Bobby Riggs in the Battle of the Sexes grudge match in 1973, then the most viewed tennis match in history. In 2006, the U.S. Tennis Association named the National Tennis Center, where the U.S. Open is played, the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. King's impact can be felt across American culture, but especially among the women tennis players who followed in her footsteps. We begin with Chris Evert, the winner of 18 Grand Slam singles championships, as she recalls reading about Billie Jean King as a teenager. I remember reading an article in the newspaper, um, late 60s, 69, 70, and I was a teenager, about Billie Jean King and Rosie Casals playing a tournament, Pacific Southwest, and it was a Jack Kramer tournament. And I remember the winner of the men's received $10,000 and the winner of the women's received $1,000, which was 10% of what the men got. And I read that Billie Jean and Rosie Casals walked off the court, boycotted, and um, just in that alone declaring, hey, th what, what's this all about? This isn't fair, 10%, really? And I remember thinking that was so controversial. I was like, whoa, they've got guts to do that. Can you imagine walking off the court before a final? It seems so far away. I was this little girl who was raised a Catholic, and I was a good girl, and I obeyed my parents, and I was not exposed in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to any of this sort of equality or women's liberation or whatever. And I remember thinking that seemed like, you know, worlds away from, from my way of thinking. but. It did make sense, and I and I was always curious to see what the result was going to be, and 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 that was my first introduction really to Billie Jean as she became our leader for equal prize money and for women's rights. I really didn't hear about the women's movement at all until, you know, obviously Billie Jean and Bobby Riggs that match, but Gloria Steinem came on the scene, and there all of a sudden in the newspaper I was reading that women were burning their bras and that they were having riots and demonstrations. I figured they were fighting for women's rights um, just to be equal with men. Gloria Steinem obviously in the workplace, Billie Jean King obviously on the, you know, on the tennis court. And uh, j just for women to, I guess, have the freedom to make the decision of what they wanted to do. It wasn't that they were looking down on being a wife and a mother and, and taking care of the house. It wasn't that at all. It was that they just wanted women to have that right to, to choose. You know, I want to become a career woman or I want to become a homemaker. I want to get married or I don't want to be married. Um, and then that was the whole time during the abortion, you know, that controversy. And right, women, should they have rights over their body? 
And uh, so it was all opening up for women at that, at that stage. And it, you know, I, I wish I had been a little older to understand it better, but I, again, I, I, I understand it now, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't have anybody talking to me about it. I came from a very structured family where my mother had a role, my dad, my father had a role. My father was the breadwinner and he would work all day and my mom would take care of the kids and take care of the house and it, there were roles in that day. And um, that was the 60s, you know, that was when society had roles for women and, and men and, and women did not work and women were not equals to their men. It was kind of ironic that I pursued a career that in that women were powerful and women were successful and I didn't have to get married to be successful. I, I didn't have to have kids right away. I think that every current woman tennis player should go up and shake her hand and say thank you for putting money in my pocket. You know, every generation after her should do that because she put money in our pocket. And how lucky are we to have had Billie Jean King in tennis? She could have been in golf. She could have been ice skating. You know, she could have been in gymnastics, she, whatever. But to have her in our sport, um, it propelled our sport to number one as far as the women were concerned. And um, it trickled into every other sport. She raised the sport to be the most high-profile woman's sport in the world. And it still is. In 2007, 33 years after Chris Everett first conquered the grass courts there, Venus Williams triumphed at Wimbledon. Largely due to the efforts of Billie Jean King, she was awarded equal prize money with the men's champion. Here's tennis superstar Venus Williams speaking with filmmaker James Erskine about what Billie Jean King has meant to her. You know what? I, I feel like I got involved with equal prize money because... I was the main person that would say something in press, so I was like um, always standing up, hopefully in a dignified way most of the time that, you know, I felt like equal prize money was something that should happen. So uh, it was definitely a concerted effort. I happened just to be in the, in the lead somehow, but it was definitely a concerted effort from the tour, from past players like Billy, Chris Everett. Um, to really make it something that was on the public's minds and also let people know it was the right thing to do. And after a while, I think the majors realized, yes, this is the right thing to do. We should have equal prize money. How did that feel to know that there was finally going to be equal pay at, at Wimbledon? And, and did you ever talk to Philly about that? I think that um, for me, I was ready to, to keep fighting. <laughs> like, it was just random, you know, random weekday morning, and it's like, oh, we got equal prize money, you get the word. I'm like, really? That happened fast. Wait, we've been getting, you know, the stamp of rejection for, what, 30 years? <laughs> so for it to happen now, it's like, okay, put down the picket sign, relax, it's going to be all right. So it was definitely happened at a time that it was unexpected. I think we're so used to just not uh, being told no that we were just ready to fight to the end no matter how long it took. So that was definitely satisfying. And I think, you know, I happened to win Wimbledon that year. And, you know, I thanked Billy in the stands. And I think that was, um, you know, that's just the way it should have been. It's almost fitting. She de definitely deserved credit for that. I think um, for without women like Billy and the original nine, those women who believed in something even though it was hard, 
to to believe and to see it through. And and you have to think these women were, were professional tennis players, so it was a lot of work to do something outside. You have to think not only is tennis a full-time sport, but it's a lifestyle. It's a full-time job. So to do more than, than tennis is, is extremely challenging, especially something so stressful. So um, without them, I just, I mean, who can hypothesize where tennis would be, women's tennis would be, we'd still be, wouldn't be here, but you can't say. How, how did you first, first, first meet her? Um, I first met Billy at a World Teen Tennis Clinic, and I was probably about eight years old, and I had the time of my life. You know, I remember she pitched balls to me, um, <laughs> and uh, she was so enthusiastic about the game and so encouraging for everyone who was, all, all the young people who were hitting balls. For me, I've always loved her enthusiasm for the game, and I always, always loved and, and admired her spirit of giving, which I think comes around once in a generation. I don't think people have that. So it's something that I, I look up to and aspire to, but I don't think anyone's ever gonna really get to that level. Um, she's done something that really can't be replicated. And um, you said you met her when you were eight, eight years old. How, how did your kind of like contact with her develop over the years? Did you, did you meet her more times? Was she encouraging? How did she help you progress as a, as a player and as a human being? Yeah, I think um, I, you know, just really getting to know her started in Fed Cup in the, um, you know, 1999-2000. We would just have a blast on the team. She would teach us so much about tennis. Um, she really helped me with my backhand volley, which I think is one of the best in the game right now. So thank you, Billy. <laughs> and um, just her enthusiasm for the game. We, we'd just be practicing on the court and she would just randomly say, I love this game. And so I'd be like, wow. I, <laughs> just, you, it was just so contagious. And, uh, you know, she would tell us stories, you know, about life and tennis. And I think just um, catching on to her enthusiasm for life, were, you know, were my experiences, you know, more or less as an adult though. And was there anything particularly that she taught you or you felt from her that was different from other coaches that you've met, other managers? Yeah, you know, my coaches are my parents, so um, definitely working with someone different is always was great for me. I, I don't work with a lot of different people, so it was great to just hear something a little bit different and sometimes it just clicks. So that for me, it was nice to hear things, the same things, but a little bit differently. And um, I think Billy knows how to get the best out of the people she works with. There's one similarity I sort of really noticed in obviously reading your biography and reading Billy's is that, you know, and, and Chris Everett as well, is a, is a close relationship with your father as you're starting out in sport. Do you think that it's important? Do you think that imbued you with extra confidence that you had such a strong relationship with your with your father, you know, important in developing you as an athlete? I think just in general with my family, um, everyone was supportive. Everyone was a part of making um, not only me a great tennis player, but Serena, and it was a family effort, whether it was my sisters picking up balls or um, my mom, you know, having to work three jobs, whatever it took, you know, so it wasn't just my dad. And all of us made this, this possible. I, I feel like without my parents, I wouldn't be playing tennis. That's how I got started, and that's how I got into the game. And, you know, if Billy hadn't started the tour, my dad may have never seen, you know, the woman get a check and say, hey, my daughter should be in that. So there would have been no checks for women. So it, it's, um, I guess, the trickle-down effect. 
And 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 obviously one of the things that Biddy's always talked about is is access, access for women, access inequality. Do you feel that there was a lot of prejudice to, to towards you when you came into the sport? How did it feel being a woman and being an African American with with a? I think by the time I got to the sport, um, I had an opportunity just to let my racket do the talking. I think when Billie Jean first started, um, you know, you had to do more than play tennis. Uh, when Althea Gibson, she she really had no opportunities. So for me, I felt like I had not only opportunities on the court, but off the court in terms of endorsement because of the work that um, many of the, the leaders had done for women's rights and also for um, African-American rights. So there was a lot of people who before me made it easier for me. Were you, were you aware of her battle sexes match and the story of that match? I and mean, if you could just tell me the story as, as you knew it. Yeah, I think everyone knows about the battle of the sexes. And um, the match was a big deal. And I think for Billy, I can't imagine the pressure she was under. And having known that it wasn't the first battle of the sexes, actually, it was actually the second. She had a lot to prove. On a much bigger stage, she went to that match focused and ready to do whatever it took. And she wasn't just playing for her, she was playing for, for every woman and every young young girl. You know, I think it's a situation of immense pressure, and I don't think anyone could have coped with that situation any better than, than Billy could have. Um, were I given the chance, <laughs> I would probably say no, but she didn't say no, and that's what made the difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and what do you think would have happened if she lost to Riggs? Nobody knows, she didn't lose. <laughs> and that's there's no alternative other than the fact that she won. And I think in her head, that's how she saw it too, that the, the, she couldn't lose. She wasn't going to lose. Uh, it didn't matter what it took. If they took her off on a stretcher and, you know, said some, some uh, closing remarks to her life, she was going to go off the court with a win, live or die. And it wasn't going to happen any other way. That's fantastic. Um... One of the things Billy talked a lot about was in the, is in the, in the 70s, particularly, and when they were first founding women's professional tennis, was the chauvinism and the reactions of the media towards towards women. Do you feel that there's a there's a bias still against against women's sports? I think that women's sports outside of tennis still has a long way to go in terms of just uh, capturing the attention of the world. Um, and there are many wonderful women's athletes and. When you think of the premier sports for women, you know, you have tennis and you have golf, but after that, you know, it, it does fall off in terms of the opportunity to make a living, the opportunity uh, for prominence compared to um, the men's sports. So there's definitely some ways to go, but um, looks like we got time to build it up. How, how do you think that can be changed, though? I mean, how can that be changed? It's a big question. I mean, it has a lot to do with infrastructure and doing it the right way and thankfully for tennis it was done the right way i think also in terms of um, raising awareness and interest so definitely not the expert on that <laughs> but i think like i said i lived in a different time period than you know billy and althea and like i said a lot of people have done a lot of work so i could you know focus more on the tennis than you know ha having an equal ride or trying to stay calm because someone was doing me wrong so um, i have them to thank I think for her, she never realized all the things that she would give to so many people. She was just fighting for something she believed in. I don't think she was trying to be a, the leader, but um, in her heart, she was a leader and she was the one. I don't think she could have foreseen any of this, but I think it goes to show that 
you stand up for something, if you believe in something, not only can you give something to yourself, but you can give something to so many others. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. And visit the American Masters website at pbs.org slash American Masters for digital archive gems, past episodes, and more. You can also find American Masters on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. We'll be back in two weeks for our next episode of the American Masters podcast. Podcast.